All right, we ready? I suppose. It's Monday. I don't even need a new phone. I'm mad. Sorry. Go ahead. It's. <laughs> I need you to interrupt his start over and over again with anger uh, about Googling your phone. It's Monday, November 8th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? It's going. And I hate it. Yes. What? I'm mad. You hate God. what? I'm mad. I hate all of it. I hate I hate consumer technology products. That's what I hate. All I think there's just one in particular that you hate. I'm really mad at Google today. I don't even think he hates the product. Um, He hates the company for not delivering the product that he anti-hates. There you go. That's another way of saying loves. That he does not I am a fan of anything that starts off as Linux and then rips off Linux to turn into something called Android. But okay. the company that is responsible for it has pissed me off <laughs> by their ineptitude. Tell us why, Russ. And Tell us why. The This is just insane to me. I mean, I've bought... Look, there's not a whole lot of Google products to buy, but I've bought a fair percentage of them. Probably more than half of the things that you can buy from Google, I've probably bought from them. All on the same account. Much of it, especially recently, using Google Pay, which is the thing that I set up to buy my Pixel 6 Pro. I pre-ordered it day one, hour one. It has been pre-ordered that whole time. Four different things on the on the list there. There's the phone. There's the case. There's the charger. There's the Series Buds A or Series A Buds or something. I've gotten the Series Buds A or whatever they're called. I've gotten the charger because it didn't come with it in the box. Thanks, Apple. And thanks, Google, for copying Apple on that. Yeah, and yeah, that was all in the same order. I have... I have paid for things on this order and they went to charge, I guess that same account through that order to ship the pro, which should be here tomorrow. And they said they couldn't verify the Google pay information, which I've already (laughs) used repeatedly in order to ship me my phone tomorrow. I then go to, it tells me to reorder. I go to check to reorder and it's not going to be here till late December, early January. I can't tell if you're frustrated or not. I am so mad. I almost I almost immediately ordered an iPhone. Almost immediately. Just Ooh, out of spite. spite. You yes. hear that? I was so mad. 60% and of our audience has been following for two years. They well, would, they would have rejoiced. Brought you if over. they had USB-C, I probably would have done it. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I, I literally was like looking at it, and I was like, ooh, that's lightning. Um, you know, And that's just as maddening as canceling my order. And so I'm very upset through Google's ineptitude during this process. I'm even more mad at myself because I went and ordered the regular Pixel 6 just now, and it'll be here, I don't know, supposedly in the next like eight or nine days. I don't trust it for crap. But I'm mad that I ordered another product from a company that just did this to me. I wish I had a third option. Like, well, I do. I guess I could order one of those Linux phones that like doesn't run apps and has an hour long battery life and that or seems like, like a, it would be a freedom you get like a one plus phone or something right no i'm not getting a one plus a lot of one plus people yeah, are going to freedom. pizza right now and probably freedom pretty phone. unhappy with it freedom phone what's freedom phone is that made in america it, uh no no not at all but it, it they slapped <laughs> How can it be a freedom logo? phone 
Oh, it, it's straight out of China. Um, it was to capture people that were angry at all those crazy tech companies being all liberal and stuff. And so they, they just said, and freedom phone. Orders. And then immediately came out and said, this is easily one of the least secure devices ever. Do not buy a freedom phone. <laughs> Duh. Well, you know, <laughs> Google liberally canceled my order. And uh, <laughs> I feel like maybe I need some freedom. China, I'm coming. Hey, I'll, go there to, I'll go there to pick it up. Just a heads up for you guys. I saw an article yesterday. I stopped reading it when it said it was for um, Samsung device phones. But you, you should update your Google Chrome if you have Google Chrome on your phone. There's some security issue. There uh, you should update all the apps on your phone all so the time. Every day. No, I every agree. single I day. Um, Google Chrome is disabled on my phone. Um, there you go. Because I'm mad okay. at Google. Um, but, you know, <laughs> okay. Uh, today in tech history, November 8th, you guessed the year. He put the X in X-rays. German physics professor Wilhelm Röntgen stumbles Röntgen. upon what he would later describe as X-rays while experimenting with electrical discharge tubes. You know yes, what's sad about this is that I'm not going to remember this year at all, but I visited his lab. I've been there where they were first what? discovered. Yeah, it was cool. And if, if I'm remembering correctly, this happened to a lot of people that were like yeah. in the discovery phase of X-rays, but uh, definitely died of cancer. <laughs> Mm, yes poor, poor yeah, guy kind of got wrecked yeah i was uh, um, i was reading a different article on it this morning uh one of the one of the individuals who helped thomas edison ended up dying of cancer she was working around mm -hmm. x-rays a lot she died of skin cancer right right um and well i don't want to give you this other note about the nobel prize that he won in what year well i won't tell you the year he won the nobel prize because you still got to <clears throat> guess uh, but he won uh, the very first Nobel Prize in physics. Maybe that tells you too much uh, for his work uh -huh. on it. And nope. he refused to patent the technology. He said, no, it'll, it'll be great for great for the cause. I'll give you an another hint Good here. For him. Okay. In the United States, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s of the 1900s, 1930s, 40s, and 50s, American shoe companies, you would go in when you get fitted for shoes and you would basically get an x-ray of your foot while it's in the shoe so you could see how the bone placement was in the shoe. Uh, so we did that for about 30 years. And then at the end of the 50s, we were like, hmm, this seems this a little bit bad. risky. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just for this some is, shoe fit. <laughs> this is not a good reason to shoot x-rays at somebody's anything. <laughs> Correct. Mm, Correct. So That's excellent. Give me a snap. I love it. What year? Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. 1880. Okay. I'm gonna go 1881. 1895. 1895. Ooh. Hey, that's closer than I thought I was gonna be. Um, which, which again, it's sad because I don't have direct. I don't. I don't remember obviously when he did. You his don't thing, remember the 1890s? No, but I don't. I you think you go visit a place <laughs> like that? You go visit Runkin's lab? And oh gosh, where was it? It was his his in Ulm. Germany? Does it say you know like where? Um, where he was let's from? see. He was born. Uh, Somebody in famous. Lenab. Cool. He died stuff in, in Munich. Um, he was probably just in Munich. Then his alma mater was University of Zurich. What was it at the university that you visited? Or it's possible. It? It could, uh, well, no, it would have been Zurich because I, I wasn't. I no, his lab was somewhere actually in Germany. And I know there, there's another physicist's major discovery uh, lab. Oh, here it is. Ooh. I found it. I found it. I'm so good at Google. Um, and it did tell me what pink eye is, by the way. We can talk about that here in a minute. I'm just kidding. Uh, during, during 1895, at his laboratory in the Würzburg Physical Institute of the University of Würzburg, Röntgen was investigating blah, blah, blah. So that's where there it is. You go. Is that where you went? 
Forsberg yeah. Physical Institute. Well, I, I mean, I don't remember that one specifically. Like I said, somebody else's lab is in Ulm. There, there's lots of cool physics history in Germany. And when I was there for a study abroad program in college, uh, one of the one of the programs we bounced around to quite a few of them. Um, and yeah, I just I remember his, and I mm. remember the lab in Ulm, but obviously not all the details because that's like all I can tell you. Mm. I've been there. Cool. We should go to Germany someday. <laughs> you should show me around. Deal. Sweet. Okay. Got that out of the way. Let's talk. Let's talk today's tech news. What do y'all have? What do y'all have? Anything exciting? I got nothing. I haven't been paying attention to the news at all, least <laughs> of all tech news, because I went up to South Dakota and used a boomstick to hunt pheasant for a few days. And it was great. Nice. Be totally disconnected. And I got to shoot a 50 cal for the first time. I have never fired a gun that big. Um, and that, that was, was impressive. And I hit, a, I hit a gong at, at about 880 yards away from me, which is, uh, I'm impressed with myself. I, I don't think people that fire guns that often would be that impressed. Also, someone else had attempted before me. So the setup was uh, better known than, you know, if I was just trying to do it myself. But pretty cool. I learned a lot. For those of y'all that don't get an immediate feel for what 880 yards is, that is half of a mile. Okay. Is a good distance out there. Yep. Yep. It's a long way to shoot a bullet. So it was a cool video. All right. Uh, did we lose Russ? Where's he at? He's got some stuff or what? Just being angry at Google. I'm mad. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm telling all my fuming. friends. I got, I got friends texting me and they're like, hey, so I saw your tweet. Like... Russ, are, are you, you okay? Here, Did, let's, has let's anybody given you the something. suicide hotline number? Uh, yeah, I've got, I've, got that, I've got that written down. Hey, um, look, no, you don't know the, how that's going to affect people, Aaron. Okay. Here, here's something that I think people okay. need to know. I, had, I used to have to explain this with Microsoft. I don't know why, but I did. I, I, we've, we've talked about this before where uh, I really did not like the, uh, you know, whatever it was, Apple versus, or Mac OS versus Microsoft Windows conversations. Or the, the, the commercials with Justin Long. Those are the first thing that really turned me off to Apple as a company. I really never thought about them prior to that, candidly. I mean, you know, obviously, I used Apple II, played games on it and stuff like that when I was a kid. But those commercials created this user behavior that I could not stand by computer illiterate people. Drove me crazy. And so... I really just didn't want to ever deal with Apple because of that. Never really had any issue with them as a company. Likewise, Google, great search engine, right? I like Linux. Android was based off of it. I like the ideas of the customization. Really liked that whole idea there. And with Microsoft, I mean, I played games, so I needed Windows. So people always made this assumption. They're like, well, you don't like Apple, so you're a Microsoft fanboy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I <laughs> I don't, I don't care at all about Microsoft. <laughs> I, I, I could not care less about Microsoft in any way, shape, or form, candidly. Um, you know, I'm it's not trying to make anyone mad right now. Microsoft's a huge partner of us, of ours. But I just, it, it, I didn't, you know, I didn't have to be a fanboy of anything. It was never the way I worked. I mean, like I used ATI graphics cards. And then I remember I bought an NVIDIA graphics card. My friends were like, oh my gosh, did you just buy NVIDIA? And I was like, yeah, it was dramatically better for what I needed it to do. And it just, it for whatever reason, this not having this allegiance to a company has always 
thrown people for one reason or another. And so I now with me right being upset, it, well, it is, I, I, I don't understand the allegiance part me in my own personal opinion. I just don't get it. And so I think people have made this assumption that I share some allegiance to Google. I don't give a crap family friendly show about Google. I just don't. Also a business partner, right? Like I like the technologies. I just, I don't have any one company that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need to get everything that they have and I need to defend them. I don't ever feel compelled to defend any company other than if I feel like they actually need to be defended because things are being taken out of context. And that goes for Apple as well. In fact, I did that on our show last week. And that's my struggle is that people seem to want to have this allegiance towards companies when they don't have any allegiance towards you. So I don't, I just don't get it. So I don't have an allegiance towards Google. If people seem to think that I do, I just didn't like the way that Apple customers behaved about Apple, mostly because it was very allegiancy, if that makes sense, for reasons that I just can't get behind. And because candidly, there was a lot of ignorance there. And that drove me crazy knowing and dealing with that. So that's sort of my, you know, my rant about the just company allegiances and stuff in general. I, I, I do not owe Google anything. And so, yeah, I'm upset with them. I'm not a Google fanboy by any means. I think they have a great search engine, you know, and I like Android. That's what I got for you. But yeah, not happy about it. So all my friends out there texting me, everything's going to be fine. Google's going to survive. I'm going to survive. Apple's probably going to be all right. Who knows what's going to happen to Facebook? Microsoft's doing great, but I don't care about any of them. What's up? Can I ask you a question? So please, let's just take what you just said. And let me ask you if you're ever going to own a Chevy or Dodge truck. Yeah, I could. Yeah, absolutely. I've in fact recently I've looked at the uh, the Ram the the TRX. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, is it, you're right though. If there was anything I'm close to a fanboy of, it would definitely be Ford. And I, you know, I'm I'm one of those people that apparently, you know, hasn't been found. What is it? Found on road, dead. Dead. Or driver returning on foot. <laughs> I, I'm not obviously. I'm not one of those people. Uh, but I definitely have loved my Fords. Uh, but you know, one of my allegiances to vehicles is the fact that they cost a significant amount of money. <laughs> and so when I buy them, and I, I mean, I think everyone probably on the show, definitely you two know that I'm the furthest thing from a cheap individual. But I do get runway out of most things in my life. Like this, I had a chair. It's not here anymore. It was sitting over to the left. My wife threw it away, like took it to the dump that my dad bought for $300. And because I thought my dad spent way too much money on that chair, I had it from when I was a freshman in college until three weeks ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I ride I things say, into the ground, man. I will say, Russ, there, there are a few people I know, probably nobody that I know that actually, as much as you do, buy things that you don't even ever actually use just to support the people that make them. Yeah, it's just true. This is but the thing. That yes, when it comes to the Ram, I can totally get it. The 6.2 liter supercharged V8, uh, that thing's 702 nuts. horsepower. Um, it's that'll that'll turn anyone's head. So you, you know what's funny, and this is probably Go a on. misconception that I had. Um, I think I had viewed the Ford Raptor, which I think people know is like my favorite truck in the world. I'd love to have one. I view that as like the most expensive truck ever, and it's not. There are more expensive trucks, but I sort of assumed. That since the Raptor has sort of popularized this this type of truck, this more aggressive sort of line, that anyone coming in to try to compete with it would have maybe came in and been a little less expensive. So I actually looked at the TRX thinking that it would be less expensive than the Ford, but it is not. 
In fact, no. there's no scenario where it's less than the Ford. So that's <laughs> completely off the table at this point. But that was, you know, I was looking at it because I've seen those TRXs on the road and they look incredible. And I've had, Dude, they look I've had friends who've had Dodges in the past um, or Rams, I guess, specifically. And they were all good. My dad had a Dodge growing up. I loved that truck whenever we had it. So I, you know, I do love my Ford, but I'm, I'm not opposed to owning something else. In fact, I suspect that I will own something else. At some point, can we in time, you know, can we talk about the Dodges road. that have the giant, giant logo down the side that say "Power Wagon" in like four thousand font? We Is can, goofy, <laughs> but I don't know what goofy? we're talking about. So Mine. how do I Google this? Power yeah, wagon? Power wagon. Go on. Uh, you haven't seen this on the road? Sorry, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm about to see it. I don't go, I don't uh, go on the road anymore. Hold on. Yeah. The first thing that came up was 2022 Ram 2500 diesel engine. Apparently, the Dodge Power Wagon is like old school stuff. The Dodge Power Wagon is a four-wheel drive, medium-duty truck that was produced in various models since series from 1945 to 1980. Uh, speaking of Dodge, that's kind yeah, of a redemption story. Again. They're, they're still producing it. I mean, it's right. a name that they've used forever, like the F-150 kind of a deal, right? Which I hadn't seen uh, before. But, you know, my dad, when he got the... Uh, my dad is the perfect example of both lacking allegiance to companies as well as willingness for someone who's done something bad in the past to be able to redeem themselves. So Dodges, when my dad was younger, had a horrible reputation for making awful vehicles. Like reliability was very, very bad with Dodges whenever my dad was you know, probably in his 20s and, and maybe even 30s. Uh, and what he, when he went to go get his Dodge. He went and got a, it was a, just a 1500, just standard Dodge. I remember it's $22,000 because I thought that was an infinite amount of money back then when I was a kid. I, I was like, he goes, you know, I really haven't ever wanted to get a Dodge because they had such bad reliability problems at the time. But you know what? Let's go ahead and see how this works. He ended up having that truck for 10 years. No major problems with it other than locking himself out and having to crawl through the back window, which is hilarious to me. And it really kind of, as a kid, maybe set an example for me. It was like Dodge did something bad, but he was willing to look at them now to see if they've improved and done something better. And he bought it, and then and the truck worked out really well for him. So, uh, just a shining example, my father, of of being a reasonable human, and I think that's good. Unlike you, that, Google, who are unreasonable. That was, that was my experience with Fords. I had a I had a bad history and i was like you know what i'm gonna give you another chance uh many many years later what 15 or so years later i gave him another shot and uh, i've actually really enjoyed my car but i am disappointed in overall quality considering that a shift fork broke at less than fifty thousand miles in my transmission tearing it to pieces it's a shift fork those are hard to break which means it was probably an engineering or materials problem and that's just frustrating well, what do you know about engineering Hmm? Right, right. Of course, that's well Only after my warranty. <laughs> oh, man. Only a thing uh, Those those Ram trucks, though, I've heard really good things in general about the interior quality of Rams. Um, that they're very comfortable, and then you know, pile on top of that that they've got some serious uh, engine oomph going into them. I mean, they've got a long history with the Cummins diesels and stuff like that, having having some pretty pretty badass powertrains. Neat. And they look hot. They do, I do like the way truck. they look. They're big. Cybertruck. 
Okay. <laughs> Let me move us on here. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for the day that the Cybertruck comes out. Dude, I was driving down the road the other day, and out of the corner of my eye, I swear I saw one, and I had to do a double take. It wasn't, but I was. I, was about <laughs> I swear to I saw out. the unreleased truck driving yes, down I, Well, it was like when you travel to the other side of the world, and you think you see somebody that you know, you know, that like you see locally in your town or whatever. It's it kind of one, one of those things. Um, I'm, I, my brain is wanting to see it in the wild soon. Uh, okay. So <laughs> won't Ethereum you have prices, one? Don't I have one? What do you mean? You, no, won't you have one? You can, oh, well, yeah. Didn't you pre-order that like a billion yet. years ago? I did. Yeah. Well, you'll yeah. be, you'll be one of the first. Okay. Obviously. Um, okay. <laughs> Ethereum prices just keep going up. What are your yeah, thoughts? What are your thoughts? Uh, it eclipsed what, 4756 um, or whatever this morning. Oh, what, what is right it at right now? now? Right now, Tyler, you go first, and then I'll give you my seventy. Forty-seven seventy. Just a few months ago, it was oh, at my. let's see, seventeen hundred. <laughs> it's a meteoric rise right now. Right now, yep. Nope. Which makes uh, the meat expected. I bought from Tyler back fully in predictable March. That's all I got when I paid like twelve hundred dollars or twelve when, but, when Ethereum was at like twelve hundred. Anyway, sorry. Right, right. What do you think? That isn't. That's an expensive half a cow. Uh, yes, the most expensive meat I, I've ever. I bought. think it's great. I think the closer <laughs> Ethereum gets to, um, you know, 2.0 and and proof of stake, I think it's going to continue to go up. But it's also really interesting to watch how expensive it is to transact on Ethereum, because mm-hmm. as a layer one network, I just that is the future, right? You you're going to have very very expensive single transactions if it's on chain on on directly on Ethereum's blockchain. Um, and that's why layer two networks are going to be absolutely critical for taking lots of smaller transactions, basically bundling them together. And then the fees can be distributed across lots and lots of smaller transactions, but they're still paying a very expensive uh, fee potentially for the, that layer one transaction. Um, and, uh, it, and it's kind of interesting to see like the last year or two, um, Ethereum has had very, very, what you know, they they use gas. That's it's called gas. It's a coin. Um, gas fees are kind of what you pay to transact, and you can you can use an explorer of sorts to actually determine how high your fee is going to be, depending on how quickly you want your transaction to actually happen. Um, but those fees, I mean, they can easily be in hundreds of dollars these days. Uh, whereas, you know, early, early on, when Bitcoin had already sort of run off and its fees were scaling quite high people were like see ethereum's cheap it's like well no it's not it's just ethereum was doing a tiny tiny fraction of the transactions it was not nearly as utilized and as the network gets utilized more and more those those costs do scale up so it's been kind of neat for me to follow that and see exactly what happens um to to other chains that weren't designed explicitly to have extremely low or zero fees if they weren't built that way then the fee structure, the cost of transaction will go up the more it gets used. And and I think it's been neat to see that too. But it doesn't seem to have any impact whatsoever on popular coins that are actually useful um, continuing to rise. Hmm. Your turn, Russ, Russ before go. You, Russ, before you drop oh. your, your reaction on it, let me just feed some more facts. So Ethereum is now over half a trillion uh, in market cap. And since we started talking about this stuff early at the beginning of the year, um, the global crypto market cap was like hovering around one trillion. Yeah, it was close. And depending to one. on who, what? I was just—I was going to say it was close to one, and and yeah. at the time, Bitcoin was still 
dominant by a, a yeah. good bit. So yeah, right, so Bitcoin was like eight hundred million. It was half a trillion itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well at, over at times, million. and it was like one point one or whatever. It was a big, big chunk of it. Um, and depending on who you look at, where you look at right now, the global crypto market cap is approaching or already at three trillion. That's a big number. That's a big number. Okay, so probably nothing. Probably nothing. But uh, Russ, curious what you think. I'm still so mad. I don't think you guys get it. I'm so <laughs> upset. Um, so I'm going to be okay. So Tyler gave a phenomenal technical explanation as to the value of Ethereum. I'm going to give you a more practical one, uh, and I think this will resonate with Tyler. the The market at the moment, up until this point, not at, not at the moment, in the entirety of its existence, has been driven by speculation. Agree. The there is an entire generation of people. One of which, at least I am willingly going to belong to. I don't think either of you want to claim it, but the millennials and younger. No, we're millennials. Generation. Bro. Well, Tyler's argued Zennial before, which means he's a, a, a bitter millennial. Um, but nonetheless, pretty much. I'll say, I'll the, say straight up, I'm, I'm a millennial. Yep. There yeah, you go. No, no, we we are by definition millennials. The right. only reason yeah, but, the Zennial stuff comes up is because of where we were in the millennial generation. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm one of those. Tyler was always more mature, though, so I get it. God, I, I don't know about that. Mature. He was I'm always not. a little bit. He was a little bit ahead of me. Well, he had an older brother too, right? So he got pulled into. I got, that I got pulled up. Yeah, he got pulled up. <laughs> I, I had an older sister, so I also have an older brother, but no one's going to call him mature either. The, <laughs> the the thing here is, is I believe that this speculation will continue for a very long time, which is why I'm unbelievably sure. bullish that this market will behave very Warren Buffett-ish, which is over the long term, this will continue to go up, period. Oh, I think and, so. you know, there are threats to it. My dad was asking me about this recently. The biggest threat to this is going to be government regulation, which I will say is going to happen. Uh, it's already but happening. I think that was another thing I was going to ask you about. That trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. It's got a bunch of uh, cryptocurrency provisions in it. Yep. And, and what I view that as is with each round of regulation, I believe that you will see cryptocurrencies adapt and get stronger and continue the same path. Correct, sir. So that is why when I hear it's going up, my first reaction is obviously. And uh, that's my thoughts on it. You know, that's sort of my less, less. You know, I, I obviously have spent time looking at the technical bits of it as well. We've all had these conversations. But in addition to Tyler's to, thoughts, yeah. which I completely agree with, that's my overarching uh, thought yeah. behind it. And you talk about future generations, man. Um, my 12 year old, uh, all she hears when I've got the financial news on and all this, I mean, she hears a bunch of stuff, right? But then she comes into cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And she's hearing this over and over and over. And then her recent experience of taking uh, $72 and putting it in Bank of America and then trying to get it out for three straight months because every time we drive over there, they're closed and they don't want to do oh this. Oh my they, gosh. They finally got the money out. And it's the same exact money uh, over three months. <clears throat> and then I was looking at a, at a, a, it wasn't Bitcoin, but a different cryptocurrency chart the other day. She's like, what's happening? And I was like, oh, you know, it's up 28% today or whatever. She's like, well, what does that mean? And I was like, well, if you... Like to say that seventy dollars, you ha you know whatever, right? We go down this whole conversation, and she's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I just got fifty dollars for dog sitting the other day. Can I put that fifty dollars in Bitcoin?" And I was yeah, like, "Yeah, I can help you." You know, um, <laughs> she has she has a problem with spending right away. Uh, everything that she's got, I'm like, "Yeah, I'll put in fifty dollars Bitcoin for you today." What twelve year old doesn't? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Joanna's a little worried about that. I'm just thinking she's 12. She'll so. be fine. She'll be perfectly yeah. fine. Yeah. So, yeah, she'll be fine. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this whole generation is coming up in this world, right? Um, in the NFT world, in the gaming world of, of all this, uh, like V-Bucks and whatnot. And it's going to be really hard to stop. So, well, I, I, don't, I don't think it, I don't think it is stoppable completely but i i don't want to downplay what you know regulation could do to hamper adoption or or make it sort of catastrophic in fact i, I saw an article this morning i have not had a chance to read it yet like i said i'm still getting back into the seat uh after being out of town but um the the way that nfts are structured right now it is possible that you know almost anything counts as a transaction which means that it has it's a taxable event Right. And those right. are the kinds of things, those are the kinds of things that will have, you know, significant financial impact, especially on something that's um, as volatile still. Uh, and, and I think the speculation obviously is a big part of that. But that volatility can mean that taxable events like trading, you know, Ethereum or Bitcoin or transferring it to another coin, anything, right? Or cash, doesn't matter. Um, that's a taxable event. And with lots of variation in price, you could easily pay more in taxes than you own in cryptocurrency if you're not careful. Right. And <clears throat> those kinds of things will hamper some adoption. Now, whether or not it's going to really slow it down or stop it, I doubt it, right? Unless well, they, want to. If in... they get to the point where it's like, yeah. this needs to stop. This is a threat to the entire global financial system. Then you could say something as blanket as cryptocurrency is illegal and then will it will it stop dead no but will you no. see institutional institutional dollars no will you see people voluntarily signing up to invest in bitcoin or use ethereum or anything like that it, a way 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 fewer people are going to say yeah that's worth a federal offense yeah but so. the the realization though um, <clears throat> is that the the uh, world's largest um, um, what am I trying to say? GDP producing country is mm -hmm. uh, very clearly not going to ban it, right? They're yeah. very clearly going Yet. to just say, hey, <laughs> uh, we want to leverage it. We want to leverage it for taxes. We want to leverage it for technology. We want to leverage it from a leadership perspective within the globe. We don't want to get behind yep. on this kind of stuff. And you're seeing rumors of China going back on some of the things that they've done because they're realizing uh, some, of, uh, some of the decisions that they've made that put them in a... Um, less advantageous position so you know, I, I, that, I think more to funny. that honestly is the is the fact that they're seeing us not ban it uh -huh. and they right. i think that's just that's just and you know it's funny what you say that i remember when they did the ban on it i thought to myself as an american who does have concerns about influence of china around the world i was actually excited that they banned it and i know that yeah. a lot of the news was yeah, I, I mean, was it, the, new, the news at the time was like, well, China bans it, so this stuff is bad. And I thought to myself, like, finally, we, nope. we catch a break. Right? <laughs> wrong. Yeah, that was that was the way that I viewed it. And so, you know, hopefully they don't go back on it because I would like to see us get, you know, more a, a bigger head of steam here personally. Yeah. But, you know, just is what it yeah. is. Yeah, dude, you're so right. Our advantage is that they're, they are banning freedom of the press. They're banning video games. Yeah. They're banning yep. internet connectivity hours. They're, I mean, they're banning um, future yeah. methods of uh, exchange of information and currency. And it's crazy. 
You know what? You know what? You know. You mentioned the ban of video games thing. It, it's funny in the esports realm. China, if they choose to be good, they typically are good. Uh, things that they awesome. do, they just they're just culturally so far ahead of us in in the competitive gaming space. And and their work ethic is like unmatched, which is actually part of their problem and why they you know have instituted some of these bans. But the uh, part and when of when you have the, the largest population like, in the world too. That really true. Helps. That yeah, ab- that absolutely does help. A six A school in Texas versus a two A, right? They're right. going to have more better players. <laughs> yep, hundred percent makes perfect sense. Well, a lot of people were like, "Well, finally, the West can win esports," um, which is funny because you know we still have to deal with Korea, which really is the bigger problem. Even though they're a smaller country, they just they're so good. But nonetheless, it was. I actually thought of it like this. I actually really enjoy the international aspect of esports. And it's always kind of fun seeing a Western team go against an Eastern team. It's just kind of a, it makes for the more intrigue in the sport. So I actually was sad to see that, even though I felt like it would give us a better chance of being able to win in some of these instances. You still kind of want to go against the best. So China, unban the games so that we can still compete on the esports stage together. It's more fun for all of us. Just saying. And uh, speaking of popular, go ahead. No, no. Well, this is yeah. It's it's uh, actually probably a good in between based on what I think you're about to start saying, or along the lines. Anyways, I I hear that argument a lot. Like China has a massive population, therefore it makes sense that they're going to have you know sort of top players and all the things um, that they lean into, as Russ pointed out, right? But if you look around the globe, there is something special about how China does this. Um, Oh, for sure. There's something special about how other parts of the world do it too. I mean, the United States does not have a dominant population, but we tend to also dominate in the things that we want to, with exceptions, obviously. Um, But I, I wonder often how the way that China is structured, because that's kind of what we're talking about. There's a lot of government involvement in sort of I'll call it social decisions and and these aren't all social issues obviously but I think video game is pretty easy to pin that one down as more of a social issue than something that's uh, you know like like financial economical sort of stuff right um state state stuff um but India has an incredibly large population yeah, Indonesia on to... average has a massive population and yeah. and you don't hear people making the same arguments for them and so my question has often been is that because China is um, further ahead economically. I think part of that answer is, well, yeah, absolutely. But I also get the impression that China has really, really big financial centers that are are dominant. And then they have a very, very large and very poor rural population still, which right. I don't know enough about. That's total speculation on my side. I think I think that may be true. But I'm curious why the same argument isn't made for other absolutely sprawling massive populations that also have significant like tech centers as an example right i'm glad you went there tyler i was going to do the exact same thing man um and and i was going to kind of lead it in with um so from a cryptocurrency perspective you see china's reaction and you know what we're doing and i'm seeing more and more just as i'm following all these altcoins i guess altcoin is now anything other than bitcoin but i would now that's a separate conversation but i'd almost say ethereum isn't an altcoin but if you follow all these others, there's a lot of investment going into the Middle East. There's a lot of investment um, that's going into the India region, right? Um, but I don't know any. I don't. I won't say I don't know anything about um, gaming, uh, uh, esports competitively. Does India have a presence in esports, Russ? Very minimally. Yeah, very minimally. Okay. They've they've shown up occasionally, but 
You know, I think the uh, Tyler, I think you said we're good at most things that we sort of, I guess, choose to be good at in some respects. Like if, if it matters to us, there's a good chance we'll be good at it. I think the most prominent example of that is going to be the Olympics, right? We, for we sure. That's right. Where my head the goes Olympics. Too. Yep. And we yep. dominate the Olympics pretty much every year in total medal count. Um, you know, we're usually top three in overall golds, if not one or two. So we're definitely very competitive in that space. I will say the issue with the U S and maybe this plays into the reason why maybe India isn't here. India, maybe much like us, maybe even less or more so. Um, they don't, I don't think they value the gaming culture and I don't believe the U S no, as not. a profession values the gaming culture. So we don't have the yeah. same level of support structure that like for let me give you an example and i'm not gonna use china i'll use um korea because they're, they're the most mature but uh sk telecom it's like one of the biggest organizations in the world i mean they are this is a team that is ran and financed by a major telecommunications company within korea and that that type of support doesn't happen here the same way like we don't mm. get billionaire benefactors more often than that now i say that jerry jones owns an esports team called complexity but it's a very important thing to sk telecom to support a league of legends team like it's critical to their business whereas for us in the u.s not as much and so i think that you know between the things are looked down upon a little bit on professional gaming here so far i mean it's getting much better I, you know, in 50 years, we'll probably be right up there with them in terms of culture. But I think the Western culture still struggles with the idea of a professional gamer looking oh, like sure. a professional athlete. Yeah. And so that, sure. but, but in Korea, they don't. In Korea, yeah, that's you know, really interesting. The, the SK Telecom player goes and talks to the national soccer team at halftime. And the national soccer team players, this is real, by the way, are nervous. Like, they're like, oh my goodness, this is you know, such and such player from League of Legends or StarCraft or whatever it might be. Ah, and cool. and it's 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 like they're starstruck when they're around them. So it's just a very different perspective over there. And I think yeah. eventually yeah. it'll be seen that way more around the world as well. And those cultures, sure. ours included, will catch up. Well, and, and I think that's exactly what we're kind of getting at when I say the United States, I think the UK fits in this. Most of Europe actually falls into these buckets too. It's like when, when a developed economy decides that this is important and it is, uh, I don't, I can't think of the right word for it, but one word that describes that sentiment towards something being seriously sort of appreciated by the culture, that's when you see something change, right? I think skateboarding is going to be a good example of that because it was so recently introduced to the Olympics. You will start to see more of the world lean into it, which means financially back it and care about it a little bit more because now there is a global stage where it is competitive and respected, right? And and that's when, when I say when the U.S. decides they want to put the kind of cultural weight behind something, esports, you name it, we, we tend to dominate that. China does that for sure. And I, I'm thinking that the only reason it has to be because of economic dominance. And, and I think there's probably a really easy thread to pull there. But what's curious about that is that China as a population, it, it, I think because it is structured so differently than most of the rest of the developed world, 
a la communism, basically. It's really interesting to see China compared to India, compared to Indonesia, compared to these other massive sprawling populations that don't have their economic dominance. But the way that China has sort of established their economic dominance is very curious compared to literally every other country that falls on that list, right? But even still, India is number two. Right in global population, right? China is one point four billion. India is one point three. The U.S. is third. Close. They're so close. They are very close. And the U.S. is third. And it's basically you fall off a cliff. We lose a billion people from number two to number three. Yeah. Um, Well, and and that was us. I I keep bringing up Indonesia. Indonesia is is a conglomerate, right? Well, Indonesia as well though. The region number four. No, but that region is almost as much. It's really that low. Ah, I thought yeah, it was Indonesia's number four. Maybe that was something that was projected decades ago is that Indonesia was going to go through a population boom like India. And I, I guess it didn't happen. I might be just yeah. remembering. They're almost data. Almost equal to the US. Hmm. So hmm. another crazy okay, fun fact. I didn't realize this. I'm sorry, just pulling things out of left field here. Did you realize that the US and the and and the China, US and China have almost the same land area? For some reason, I imagine U.S. and China. It's yes. it's the Mercator projection. You see maps with yeah. China, and because they're north, they look massive. Uh, yes. Canada's the same way, right? Canada looks like a significant, much much more significant landmass than it actually is. And then, of course, Canada also has the the added, uh, uh, I call it, I guess, disadvantage of having most of its livable land being right there on the U.S. border. That's a yeah. big part of the reason they're right. so much smaller. So Canada's the same size as well. Pretty much. I mean, right. China, U.S., and Canada are all about the same size. Russia's. So you uh, got it. Got to go mix up those projections every once in a while, or you really right. don't know what's up. And then if you, but if you go back, so go back to India and you rank the GDP by country. India is not too far down the list. They're number seven, right? It's U.S., China, Japan, Germany, U.K., France, and then India. So. Well, and and that's why. It, but I in and, and again. I think some of it, when I say dominance, I talk, maybe it's just global influence and I'm not an economist. Like I I can't, I cannot go toe to toe on any of this. This is just me sort of thinking through how this stuff works. But India, obviously they have to have a significant economic presence because they represent such a singularly massive population. Even, even if you had literal pennies per person, you're going to dominate the map because of how much bigger they are in, you know, GDP, Right. So uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. But I don't feel like India has nearly as much economic influence as China does, but they are almost the same population. I mean, would you say one, 1.3 versus 1.4? Holy cow. That's yeah. close. Yeah. 1.4 billion, uh, 1.43 billion to 1.38 billion. And then the US yeah. is. Oh my is gosh, like that's 0. even closer. 3. Yeah. US is 0. 0.3 yep. billion. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. World economics is always interesting to me. Um, and, and then, it, you know, obviously we're talking about something that's really focused. You brought up Bitcoin, though, or, or cryptocurrency in general. Those are the populations that are going to change how all of this works, right? The, China could say, nowhere, never. And then India could be like, we're embracing this. This is everything. And it doesn't matter what China says a huge chunk of the world is going to continue to use cryptocurrency as whatever they decide to use it for. Right. So leadership cool, is influence. That's what I'm hearing. Let's shut yeah, it down. Yeah. Time for us to, to get out of here. And cool, go. man. It's good to be back. It's fun chatting with you guys. I feel like it's been a long time since I was on a show. It probably has been two weeks, something like that. 
yay vacation. Anyways, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We sure did. We're glad you were here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing with your friends. And catch us again soon, hopefully Wednesday. Peace. Booyah, Grandma.